Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Zero's Group, Roundtable Community Outreach. January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, January 29th, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm the co-host, Sean Claiborne. Our executive media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And, of course, our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Today we have our panelist, Akima A. Brown. She is the founder and executive director of Real Families for Change, filmmaker and proud warrior mom. And we want to talk about veteran business resources. But before we do that, go to a, a Facebook, look us, look us up on Facebook as America's Heroes Group, and you can see us live streaming. Our radio talk show is streamed every Sunday at 4 o'clock live on Facebook. And also, you can like and share so others can become connected. You can also see our shows on americashd.org and on YouTube. And don't forget, Zonder TV's network, digital streaming platforms like Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, so, Akima, are you there with us? Yes, I am. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having me. It's great to have you on the show. So tell us what some are some of the, the resources that are available to veterans. But first, I want, to, I want to ask you a personal question. So tell us a little bit about your process in making films. I was curious about that. And also, how did that parlay into your work as far as uh, veteran business resources? Absolutely. So, um as far as me being a filmmaker, I've, I've always been relatively arts adjacent. Most of the people in my family have always done something related to the arts. And so my thing was, was writing <laughs> and uh, I've always been a storyteller. So I basically started off in that way. And about 12 years ago, realized that uh, I wanted my stories made. <laughs> I want to make stories about people who look like me, who have very real issues and, um, in order to do that, I needed to get into the producing side of things. So that that's definitely that aspect. But um, as far as how that pertains to my work with veterans, so it's kind of two part. <laughs> um, they, the, the two don't always live together. But I come from a military family. Uh, I've been surrounded by vets my entire life. And so I have in my nonprofit a space for really helping vets to sort of um, – transition into business, but into business in the film industry. Okay. Uh, but then I also look at those who are not necessarily interested in, in the film aspect of things, but do still want to have some kind of business resource available to them to sort of do whatever is in their vein of expertise. So a lot of my work is around helping people kind of package their expertise produce that, if you will, um, whether that be commercially, you know, on social media, things of that nature, and then putting that out to the world. I always believe that the filmmaking process is basically a very similar to running a business because there's so many moving parts to the filmmaking oh, process that you basically, in order to, to pull off a successful film, you got to be a business person. you got to have a business mind and figure out, you know, all the the economics of you know, not just the, the money paying for the resources, the materials and the props and things and the actors and all that kind of stuff, but also just the economics and the economy of, you know, how do you manage talent? How do you manage, you know, the screen time? How do you manage, you know, the audio, everything that goes along with that? 
No, exactly. It's very much a a business process. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why every film is structured as its own business entity for that very reason, because that business is living unto itself, mm-hmm. even as the next project may be coming on. And so you do, you absolutely have to be, uh, you know, you've got to be number savvy. You've got to be people savvy. You have to take time into account. Um, you have to be flexible. You have to realize that no matter how much you plan, things may not go according to plan, particularly on the film set. Uh, right before you say action, it's something's not going to go the way you thought it was. Uh, and so I think that that definitely translates into, you know, traditional, if you will, business simply because you do have to be flexible and you do have to be amenable and you need to be able to see, okay, what all is in place. You know, I like to say it's not necessarily about creating a plan, but creating a framework um, and understanding that's adaptable. It's living, it's breathing, it's going to change. And so whether that's my production, you know, process or my business process, I, I try to share that with others as well, just because it's probably the number one thing above all else that really does help when you're like, is this, is this really what I want to do? <laughs> so when you have that question, okay, how do we adapt in this moment? What do we need to do in this moment to adapt? So absolutely. And what resources, so do you want to connect veterans with today on our show? Oh, absolutely. So what I wanted to share is that there's, there's quite a bit in terms of the uh, veteran-owned small business and service-disabled veteran-owned small business opportunities. And there's a lot of money right now in um, ARPA coming through and for those, the American Recovery Plan Act, um, there's a lot of money pertaining to better jobs, the better jobs challenge that's open right now and helping people to basically trying to direct that money toward creating jobs and revitalizing the economy. And there's quite a bit of set aside with regard to veterans, but, um, there's there's not a lot happening with regard to veterans kind of taking advantage of those opportunities to that degree. So in order to do so, veterans will need to actually get a certification. <laughs> so you have to be okay. a certified veteran-owned small business. You can self-certify, um, and there's a lot of information that goes into that. I will not try to <laughs> share it all right now. But what I did do was create a success toolkit on my website, and you can visit it at akimabrown.com backslash veterans. And it does highlight the step-by-step, whether you're looking to work in the public sector or the private sector, if you're looking to go with non-federal contracts versus federal contracts, um, just different things. I was actually listening to your show, and so I'll give you an example of why this is so vital. Um, you know, I was listening to, I think it was, I'm going to find it because I wrote it down and it was, it was so pertinent. Episode 230, um, James Rodriguez, who is Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy mm-hmm. at Veterans Employment and Training Services. Okay. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Um, he was mentioning that there's $14 million in grants that they are setting aside for those who are working to help with training um, training veterans and getting them the necessary job training, employment, but also helping with homelessness and combating homelessness. Mm-hmm. And so in order to go to the grants.gov site and apply, you actually have to have all of the eligibilities in place. Right. And so that's basically where I think a lot of the breakdown happens is that a lot of people have a passion for doing something good and they want to help. 
but don't realize what all the necessary mechanics are. And so basically that's really what I'm wanting to let people know is that it is there. Um, there's, you know, going ahead and getting your, it, it's a lot, so I won't be verbose, um, but it's, you know, getting your, your DUNS number, getting your SAM and your CAGE, registering for those different things. Um, I think the best thing anyone can do is go to their veterans outreach uh Veterans Outreach Business Center. So it's, I keep calling it VBOC, but it's actually VOBC. Um, <laughs> um, actually, it might be VBOC, Veterans Business Outreach Center. That's why it wouldn't come out. So it is VBOC. So find your local VBOC, um, and that will actually help you to sort of connect with a, with a professional who can help you to sort of bridge out everything, go through it all determine your business type, um, you know, connection to the necessary professionals to do what I call your ABLE team. And that's going to be your accounting, your banking, your insurance, your information technology, and your legal. Those, you know, I always say your business has to be ABLE in order to thrive. And so VBOC is definitely a great place to get connected with people who can help you to connect to those things. And then from there, you know, you can also tell them that you're interested in your certification and be eligible for some of these opportunities that are out there. What are some of the contracts that are available? Because a lot of people get uh, talk about government contracts and also how to get on these different uh, sites. Is it when you get on these different sites and these, and these different lists, because there's like, for example, there's a MBE, Minority uh, Business Owners, there's also WBE, mm-hmm. things like that. Then you have the veteran, um, Veterans um, uh, Accreditation and things like that. How hard once you get into these um, on these lists is it for you to find contracts that actually put dollars in your pocket? So I'm going to be very honest. If you only use the list, um, super. <laughs> it's going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, the best thing that you can do, believe it or not, in this age of internet and social media and all these things, is to connect with people, connect with real people. So. On these different um, lists, you're going to see that there are people called um, contract officers or contract administrators. And these COs and CAs are the folks who are responsible for determining where those contracts are going to go. And what you want to do is, and again, all of this comes together with, you know, working with your local VBOC and your SBDC, but you want to put together your capability statement. Once your business is actually registered and chartered and you have all your necessary things in place and you're ready to work with the government, then you really do want to connect with people, with human beings, and find them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of government agencies actually have matching days, believe it or not, where what they will do is they will go ahead and bring in vendors with the procu- with the procurement officers and have people meet and greet and talk. And so if you are one of the, you know, let's say you're one of five who go to this and you actually are eligible for this contract, that CEO or CA may be looking at a hundred different capability statements, mm-hmm. but they've actually met you. <laughs> they, they have an idea of who you are. So not only is this person saying they're capable of doing it, but I actually know who I need to call, about, you know, so mm-hmm. that that's much more likely to get, to get you a contract and land you an opportunity than just, you know, looking at this list, being on this list and, and constantly shooting off emails. Mm-hmm. So networking is critical. It sounds like. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And the best ways to network are some of the, what are some of the other ways to network besides like some of the events that the, maybe the a procurement office might put up or uh, like a, the VBOC might put up? 
What are some other things I, that practical things that people can do? Because that's one of the hardest things, really, when you start any kind yeah. of business is, is trying to network and then figuring out, you know, who are the people that I can connect with and I can get in front of to get to that golden ticket, if you want to call it that. No, absolutely. So some of my favorite things to do, I am, I am very big on virtual <laughs> right now. Um, and so I, you know, I think that actually has helped to bring down a lot of barriers in terms of how we network because we don't have to get on a plane or we don't have to drive. We can, we can click into a zoom and that allows us to get on. So definitely look into, you know, is your chambers of commerce offering anything special? Um, is your VBOC office having any kind of an opportunity? Because there's, there's so many different things that people are working on and doing and being in those spaces that are dedicated to what you're interested in and finding other people who are either working on it or looking to work on it is a great way to connect. Um, I definitely think that, you know, if, if you look at even your library, a lot of times um, the local libraries will often have opportunities for people to connect with, contractors or um, learn about contracting agencies. And so they'll have opportunities for you to go and connect. But the reason that I think peer connecting is so important, um, there's actually something called subcontracting that a lot of people overlook. Uh, You can be a prime contractor, but it requires you to have a great deal of proven success. Uh However, as a subcontractor, what you do is you come on as someone who is helping this prime contractor. Um, and so what you can do is there is actually subnet. There's a, there's a subcontracting network. Um, and it's primarily, you know, exactly that there's a list and there's an email, things like that. But if you see a contract that you think you would be eligible for, don't just send the email, send the email and invite them to a virtual coffee, send the email and, you know, actually try to make that connection because the person who is going to be your peer in this regard, because the truth is they probably can't get that contract without your expertise. That's why they're seeking a subcontractor. So you all are mutually beneficial to one another, but in you helping them now, that person is going to provide you with an opportunity to demonstrate success and position you for your own prime contract down the line. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think those are some really essential ways you can, you can get in and, look into it. And I'm all about, you know, don't junk up your inbox, <laughs> but apply to subscribe to the, to the mailing list and things that make sense. You know, once you, I can definitely attest to this. Once you get onto these, these lists, all kinds of stuff is going to come through your inbox. <laughs> and so I purposely have filters so that if it's important, it will come to the top. I'll see it and I'll reply, but um, you get a lot of junk mail. <laughs> as a as a as a government contractor and a vendor, you get a lot, a lot of junk mail. But I think that what's most important again is figuring out what works for you and creating a way to, you know, highlight those people and, and put let them float to the top so you can connect with them and um and move forward from there. Yeah, I can't really underestimate the power of being a subcontractor. I worked as a subcontractor for the airport for the FAA for a long years ago. The thing is, it's so critical is because oftentimes, like you mentioned, they need a skill set that they don't have. And they, they, mm-hmm. it's usually something very specialized and very technical. Um, and oftentimes, too, they might need an MBE or a WBE or a veteran organization that to check the boxes so they can get the contract that they're seeking. So it might be yeah. a, a very large contract. It could be a multi-million dollar. It could be a $100 million project. But they can't bid on that project because they don't have the necessary pieces. So they'll hire subcontractors 
so they can check all the boxes and qualifications. They might need, you know, a certain uh, technician. They might need a certain uh, WBE or have to have so many minorities or so many groups of uh, people from the local community on their job site. You know, if think there's all kinds of different things. So you can actually be that one mm-hmm. ticket, the one key or missing piece that helps a large organization, a large, well-known um, organization or business get a, go- a large government contract. And then that can be a networking opportunity in itself because once you establish yourself as being um, being reliable and helping out one person, one business, whether it be in construction or whether it be in whatever, now your your reputation, your name is going to be able to be floated around these other guys, other big dogs that are out there getting these big contracts, and they might call you up to help them out with their exactly. subcontractors. You know, so I think that's really good information you gave out. This is my own personal experience. I've seen that happen. You know, so but yeah. So then now other things about the the veteran experience. So how do veterans? What's the first step a, a veteran needs to do in order to basically they're they're interested? They have some skills. They're coming out of the military, perhaps. Or maybe they're working in, a, in a, the civilian world right now as a veteran, and they realize, as many have during after the pandemic, that they're not necessarily happy doing what they're doing. They want to do make a career change, mm-hmm. want to make a move, they want to do something, and maybe be their own boss. What's what's your first step you would recommend for them to do? So the very very first thing I say is take inventory. Uh, before you begin to even investigate or look at anything else. So I, I have a, a mantra. <laughs> um, my, my father actually hates this, but it works every single time. And it's, if all you had was your brain, a pen, a pad, and a corner to work in, what can you sell? Mm. And what that does is it allows you to take inventory of your skill set. It allows you to really think about, because the truth is, Everything you're passionate about is not necessarily going to be profitable. That's true. Um, and so, <laughs> so true. you know, everything you're good at is not necessarily going to bring you a client. And so really taking that moment to take inventory and figure out what that is. And then the next thing I always tell people to do is find the correlating industry, find that job title or, you know, whatever that is and figure out how you untie it, how you untether it from a a nine to five cubicle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That really is the very first thing. From there, my recommendation is always, again, um, there's SCORE, which is free. There's the SVDC, which is free. Um, You know, all of these places will help you. The SVDC, some people know, Small Business Development Center. Yes. The one you mentioned. SCORE, that is the Service Corps of Retired Executives. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what they will do is they will match you with individuals who are in that particular industry. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I say take the inventory first and have at least that idea. You don't have to have a business plan. You don't have to have it all together. But if you at least know what you're trying to accomplish, if you can start with the end in mind, then when you go to these individuals who actually have an expertise in this area, they can help you roadmap to your destination. And so SCORE, um, the Small Business Development Centers, uh, the VBOC, once you have these things and you're, you're working with these folks, you can actually get a lot of free services, including your market research, your business plan support, um, you know, capital acquisition support, things like this, where it all starts, though, with you actually knowing what you want to do. <laughs> I think that's, that's always the very, very, and people think like, no, I've, I've got like 50 ideas. No, 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 no. Start, start with that one thing, really hone it in. Um, and make sure that it is actually marketable. And there's a difference. And I do want to, I want to add this caveat just because 
some people have that new next great thing, right? That they first to market. So no one else has that. It's a thing that think about not only is it necessarily that, oh my gosh, I've got the next best great thing and I could be, you know, first to market with this. What is the reasonable path to actually acquiring it? Right. And so, um, I so, think that so, that's, so that's always key. So to, to paraphrase that, so getting from, so you have this great idea, but how do you actually get it from in your mind to actually in front of you to sell to people? Is that, am I interpreting that right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, the other part of that is, um, so I'll put it this way. Usually whether or not we can do something comes down to one of three things, right? It comes down to, to our scope in terms of time, mm-hmm. our capacity, or our money. <laughs> so right. it's usually either time, skill, or money. And so when you're thinking about that next best great thing, are all three of those in line? Or at least if two of them are really strong and one just needs some minor tweaking, because if you can't get that next best thing running and going for 30 years, this might not be the one to start with. Right. Um, so those are, the, those are the kinds of things that, you know, I really try to – help people to kind of get a grasp on is not just I have the idea and it's awesome, but also what might you need to do first to get to that? Because that might be the second thing after you've generated revenue doing this smaller thing first or, you know, or you may actually, hey, who knows? You might network and find that person who's like, I will fund you $50 million. It, it's happening, <laughs> but it's not often. So we, that we was try my to, next you know. Question. That's not my next question. So a lot of times people say, well, I don't have the money to get started in business. I mean, I have these great ideas, but if only if, if only I could get a loan from the bank. And if, and banks banks need, you have to have, you can't just walk into a bank with a great idea like you see on television. They always have this great idea and have I have these drawings. I got this, I got this patent that I did or whatever and all that kind of, the bank's not going to give you money just on that. You got to have a lot more credentials, credit, you know, assets, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you know, income, things like that in order to get money from a bank. So what are other places where people can get financing to put, to launch these ideas? So there, there are a number. Um, I will start with the most veteran specific and then kind of get a bit more broad. So you can actually look at the Small Business Administration. They're a great resource for uh, capital acquisition support. Um, if you are not eligible for a traditional bank loan, there are options for you, particularly as a veteran under 7A. Um, 7A, similar to how 8A is a, has its own specificity and set aside. 7A does as well. And so what it does is it, it gives you multiple different options that you would need to be, um, that you would need to fall under. And there are opportunities for you to be able to glean a certain amount of, um, of capital. And what they do is they waive the guarantee. So what that means is they are providing that, that asset and that collateral mm-hmm. to the lender on your behalf because you're a veteran. Now, again, there are certain specifications that you have to meet. Everybody is not necessarily eligible at all times. Um, But what does happen that I think is phenomenal is that if you are denied, you will receive kind of a a play-by-play of what it is that you would need to do to improve before you apply again. Okay. So that's one. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say go go ahead. So you have other, other avenues such as? Um, So there are other avenues such as there are a number of, um, and just because I want to think of the name of it now, it's not in front of me. Um, But there, before we can, or actually about a minute, actually about thirty seconds. Looks like we're tapping out. Okay, 
So I'll make this quick. Um, you can definitely, depending on what it is that you want to do, look into crowdsourcing and crowdfunding. There are a number of groups, and I will work on getting that information to you for you to put out to your community. I apologize for not having that right in front of me. Um, but what that does is it allows for you to be peer-backed. So it will be other individuals. Um, it's not quite the same as like a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, but basically you're bringing on investors very early, pre-start, who are saying, I believe in your idea and what I think you're going to do. And then you'll be able to acquire capital in that way. And there are a number of programs that do work that way. Akima, thanks for coming on. We appreciate all the information. Absolutely. We got to have you back because we got to get into this more in detail. There's a lot of stuff that we could talk about. <laughs> yes. on, the, on the bones that we could get into. Appreciate your time. I would love to return. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Be safe. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.